All right, Chicago Bulls Central, we have a legend in the building. Bulls announcing legend and Bulls legend, three-time champion. Stacey King is in the building. What's going on, Stacey? Hey, what's going on, my man? Man, this is, it's 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 been a really dry off season so far. That's uh, that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, you know whatever the Bulls are not playing, of course, is dry. Uh, you know, you got the NBA yeah. Finals going on right, now, um, which is uh, it. I mean, everybody thought Golden State was going to win. I still still think they are, but uh, is playing really really well right now, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. For sure, for sure. Who do you, who do you have in that series? You think Golden State's going to still be able to pull it out, or you think Boston's going to going to win it? Well, you know, I mean, I mean, really, I thought I thought Boston had a puncher's chance. I thought that in that Miami Boston series, I thought Boston had a better chance to beat Golden State than Miami did because of their defense. Uh, they've been the best defensive team all along, uh, and it's evident in this series. Um, I think the biggest thing that you've been able to see out. Of the series is is where normally during the regular season um you know pick and roll defense is tough for the big guys because you have to switch on small players and if you don't have those bigs that can slide their feet you know two or three slides uh it, it really puts your defense uh in in a tough situation um and i think boston's big al horford and uh, robert williams third um, they're showing, man, that they can get out there and guard people. They can contest three-point shots. And, uh, sure. you know, you don't need to double, you know, when they're beat off the dribble. You know, you give them some help, but you don't have to sell out and uh, try to double the ball, which which makes Golden State swing the ball to the open shooter. And that's why you see the, they get those wide-open threes all the time. Definitely, definitely. And, like, has it, has it surprised you how just, like, the energy and, and almost physicality seems like Golden State just has not been able to match up with Boston with because I that's something I didn't expect. I thought Golden State would make that series kind of a physical tough one, but it really seems like Boston who's taking the head as far as that part of it. Well, I mean, and, and you gotta you gotta look at teams. I mean, you know, Golden State is more of a finesse oriented team. You got Stephanie Jordan, Poole, Clay Thompson. Those guys are not physical guys that are going to hit you in the mouth and, and punch you in the face. You know, when you look on the other side, you know, Marcus Smart, you got, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, you know, they, they, they've got guys on that, on that other side that are me that don't mind, you know, mm -hmm. going, making it a street fight type level or golden state has a lot of guys that are finesse. You know, they shoot a lot of threes and not taking anything away from golden state. I mean, they've been playing away for the longest, uh, um, but I think what you're saying is, is that Boston is not intimidated at all, you know, whereas a lot of teams get yeah. intimidated playing against Steph Curry. You start hitting a couple of, you know, half-court shots, you know, it takes your momentum away or big shot to end the quarter. Then you see teams just kind of fold when Golden State goes on one of those big, big runs. Uh, Boston's not yeah. afraid, you know. They, they've had a couple of runs uh, in this series where Golden State, you know, had some big runs. They answered it, you know, that, that game two, you know, where they came back and, you know, they were able to uh, get that third quarter and uh, after sustaining a run by Golden State in that game. Uh, and the thing that I've kind of compared this to, and, and you, you would be able to speak from this from firsthand experience, like, is this similar to, to when you guys with the Bulls beat the Lakers in the finals? Because the way that I've seen is that you have the team that everybody kind of thought was going to be able to come in and run with it. They've been there before. A younger team's first time in in the finals, and they're really playing excellently in the finals and, and matching that the veteran team in the ways that I think people didn't really expect coming in. Well, it's, it's, it's very similar because, you know, Boston had to, 
you know, they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, there, there's levels to this. You yeah. know, it's not just like you one year you play out your mind and you get to the finals. You know, we had to we had to get our butts kicked by Detroit, and you know, Detroit was the bully on on the block for us, and we felt once we got past the bully on the block, there was no one could beat us ever. And so uh, that's why we went on one of our legendary runs. You know, we won those, you know, three peats and, and then they had a second three peat. You know, uh, we had to go through some adversity in Boston's adversity. They lost in the Eastern Conference finals before they've lost in the second round. Uh, you know, they had turmoil this year early in the season where they were talking about, you know, uh, breaking up Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum because they didn't know if they could play together. Smart was supposed to be traded. Al Horford was gone and they brought him back. Uh, so they, they've had a lot of, you know, a lot of things go on that, you know, most teams don't have to experience and they've been able to persevere from it. And that's why you see a different Boston team in the finals. Definitely. And that's, that's a great point. And you, you, you talked about like the continuity of Boston and keeping that team together, not deciding not to pull the trigger on trading Marcus smart. Let's, let's link this back to the bulls. Like this season, was amazing in certain stretches for the most part of the season. And down the stretch, the Bulls kind of, they faltered a little bit, played, you know, had some injuries. They've had a lot of adversity that they faced. And now we're in the offseason where we're looking at, hey, Zach Levine's going to resign or not. I do expect him to be back. I think that that just makes the most sense. But a lot of fans are calling for players to be traded, moves to be made, things like that. Where do you sit with this Bulls team? Do you do you think that they have to make the big move, or do you think it's going to be the smaller tinkering on the bench, bringing in some veterans, things like that, that are really going to help this team take it to the next level in next season? Well, I, I think the number one priority is get Zach Levine back, and that starts. That's the yeah. number one priority. Once you get him in the fold, you know you already got it tomorrow. You got you know Lonzo Ball is going to be healthy next year. Caruso. Uh, which is a uh, final year of his contract. So I believe, honestly, I think you're going to get a great boot because it's a contract year. And this may be, yeah. you know, his last big contract. So you know he's going to come out balling. And that's going to help us as well. Um, so once you get Zach in the fold, now it's about building the pieces around those guys. Because you got to remember, we see a lot. Kobe White, who's a young player. We got Patrick Williams, who's coming back full, full health this year. Um, you know, two good young pieces. So your core group, you know, is really solid. And, and to be a championship team, you know, and I always tell people this, Bulls Nation, you know, you can't be quick to get rid of people. You can't get quick to get rid of people because it's not going as fast as you want. I mean, you look back, you know, think about a guy, think about what we need now, stretch five, a guy that can play the four to five position. But go back to a few years ago, we got Bobby Portis. And look what he's done. You know, yeah. look what he's done. You know, so you gotta be careful about catting guys away and and uh, you know have a little patience with development because you know there's there's a I mean seriously I mean there's there's guys we've given away that you know if we had them now you know it'd probably be a different story you know you go back think we need a wing sure. player we need a guy that can threes right now we had Doug McDermott you know a few years ago we've had guys you know a wing defensive player that can guard one twos and threes we had Tony Snell here. Um, you know, you know, if we let those guys develop, you know, who tell them where we'd be right now. So I think the key for the Bulls and I and I, you know, I feel AK and Mark Eversley are gonna do a great job when it comes to, you know, uh picking the right pieces to go along. You've got to get good complementary pieces. So I think the number one priority is get Zach Levine. Number two priority is to get you a knockdown three point shooter. Because if anything showed in that in that playoff game against Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks were did not care if we shot threes because they knew no one could make them. 
So that was yeah. a glaring, that was a glaring, um, you know, glaring uh, hole in our lineup. And then a rim protector, a guy that can come in and, and, and defend someone like, someone like a Robert Williams type of guy. He's not going to get you 20 points, but he'll get you 14. He'll dunk everything by the rim and he'll keep the ball from getting to the basket. Uh, that's Okay, for sure, for sure, for sure. How has the you you've gotten to be around these guys for years? You've seen these guys grow. You've seen the team go through the different phases and changes. How did this season feel different from just the, not the aspect of the we saw the product on the court, but just from the guys in the locker room, like how they deal with each other, how the the energy around the team. How was that different this season? It was, it was a big difference. Um, uh, more professionalism. You got older players, guys who've been there, done that. It started, you know, it started with uh, Booch the year, you know, the year before when we were able to get him at the trade deadline. Uh, we, you know, we gave up a good young piece in uh, Wendell Carter Jr., but in order to get to where the Bulls needed to go, uh, you know, you have to give up something to get something. So that was the first domino. Uh, and I didn't even go before that. I mean, being able to get Billy Donovan as coach, you know, after Boylan. I mean, that was a huge upgrade in the coaching staff, uh, the assistants. Uh, so that was the start. And then, you know, then it was Vooch getting Vooch to the trade deadline. We didn't, we just missed the playoffs that year, the play-in game, uh, because Zach ended up getting uh, COVID, and that hurt us. And he missed, like, the last, you know, two two weeks of the season. It hurt us. Um, and then, you know, the, the following offseason, you bring in an all-star caliber player, DeMar DeRozan, five-time all-star, you know, uh, one of the best two guards in the league, you know, during the Run. You know, 10, 10 plus years, two guards in the league. Um, you bring in, you know, Caruso, who played with LeBron, who won a championship, who's a valuable member of the Los Angeles Lakers team, who you heard their fans all year long wishing they had Caruso. You've heard players from the Lakers say they wish they had Caruso, and that was a mistake that they let him go. Uh, you got Alonzo Ball, who I, I consider one of the top five-point guards in the league. Um when you look at the things that Lonzo did for us last year and the things that we missed in the playoffs, he was a huge, huge hole in our – I mean, he was the second-leading rebounder for the point guard position. He was leading the team in blocked shots for the point guard position before he went out. And just the way he controls the pace and, and the way the team plays. And he's very efficient. You know, he's a great point shooter. He's shooting over 45% from the three from the point guard position. Another good – floor spacer out there with Zach and DeMar. And then he made the game easy for DeMar and, and Zach. So he got him, he got him easy shots. You know, he knows how to read the defense, knows how to, you know, get you the ball where you want it and make you more efficient score. So I saw this, you know, I can see, I can see from the very start, you know, I know it's a long answer, but I, I can see from the very start with the professionalism that these guys brought, especially DeMar. DeMar is a leader. You know, he's one of those guys no, he's not one of these guys going to yell and scream and beat his chest. And, you know, he leads by example. Uh, his work ethic is impeccable. Uh, you know, I just I just talked to uh, Peter Williams yesterday, and uh, he's out there working with DeMar right now in the summertime in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. Their, their workout started five from, you know, from the morning uh, till 6 o'clock at night. They're doing constantly. And you, you can tell that's what leaders, that's what leaders do, and young players follow them. Definitely, definitely. And what and what do you think that that's going to do for jump starting Patrick Williams' development to have a player like Demar, who's been here, done that, has the killer instinct to really take Demar under his wing for a summer, uh, and and especially Patrick Williams hasn't really, to, if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't had a full training camp yet since he's been a Chicago Bull. Yeah. So to have this and then and then hopefully a whole training camp too. Like, what do you think that's going to mean for Patrick Williams? 
I expect a big year from Patrick. I mean, if you go back to last season, he only played 17 games last year, including the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the game where he in Minnesota, the last game of the year, I think showed the coaching staff, I think it showed Bulls Nation, that this kid is a talent. He's a super talent. You know, he just has to unleash it. He, he's he got all these powers. You know, I always liken it to, and I say this on the broadcast, he's a Ferrari, but he don't know how to drive it yet. You know, he's stripping the gears. You know, he, he don't know how to drive it. But once he learned how to drive it, and, and, and when you learn how to drive it, you know, the coaches, you know, Billy Donovan's helping him teach, just like your father would teach you how to drive a car. You know, Billy Donovan's yeah. going to teach Patrick, you know, his strengths and weaknesses, how to utilize those every night, how to bring that to the table every night to help the team win. And, and a lot of nights it may not be scoring. It might be rebounding, assists, controlling the pace, you know, uh, clutch buckets and transition people, uh, getting the crowd into it, getting your teammates into it. And I think, you know, when you look at, you know, look at that last game of the year in uh, Noda, you know, he had 30-some 30, yeah. 30 points. I mean, he he dominated the game. And, um, you know, a lot of people said, well, Minnesota didn't have all these starters out there. Well, they, they sit their older starters. They sit Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell. But they had, um, you know, they had kid Anthony out there. Anthony, um, uh, what's his last name? The, the, the jumping dude, Edwards, Anthony Edwards. They had Anthony yeah, Edwards out yeah. there, and they, had, and they had Patrick Bay. They had all their starters. Covington, they had all their starters. Um, but he, he dominated the game. And I thought that was great for him because he finally realized, he realized, like, hey, look, you know what? I can be in this league, and I can do some amazing things. I just got to put it, put it to work and, you know, see it, go do it. Um, I thought he had a good playoff game. I thought that first playoff game, he was a little nervous. Um, but if you look at his numbers, he got better every single game. He ended up, I think, averaging 12 points uh, a game in that playoff series. He had a couple of 20-point games in that playoff series, had some good rebounding games, and he had to guard Giannis the whole time. So um, I thought he, I thought, I think, I think his future's all right. I know his name comes up in a lot of trades, you know, trade talks. Yeah. Uh, the Bulls are reluctant because, honestly, that's AK and Mark's first draft pick, you know, and they, they drafted yeah. him four. And so it's hard to keep on a kid who's got that kind of for sure, for sure. And, you know, Patrick Williams talent is, is we barely scratched the surface of it. I feel and like one thing that I saw, especially in that Minnesota game and also in summer league, too, before the season started, is he's a better facilitator than I was thinking. And I wonder if that's going to be something that Billy Donovan tries to use a little bit more next season, because if you have your power forward being able to really facilitate some, that really opens up the floor for like Alonzo Ball with the way that Alonzo Ball is able to shoot and things like that. What, what do you think about, about Patrick Williams facilitating part of his game? <clears throat> well, I think it's an underrated part of his game. I think people really don't know that this kid can actually handle the ball. He was a point guard in high school. So he's got guard skills at six foot nine. Uh, he could be kind of very similar to, but more offensive mind, like a Draymond Green, you know, which allows your guard to get out and run in transition. You know, DeMar and Zach, I mean, that's a deadly combination on the break. You get them out on the wing running. You know, you got Lonzo Ball at six foot six running too. You got a bunch of finishers at that rim. You got six nine guy to get that ball off the glass, start the break. That puts so much pressure on you defensively because you, one, you got to stop, but we won't stop the ball. It's going to be a mismatch because most times people get back yeah. transition, they run into the closest man. So Patrick Williams with the ability to put the ball on the floor and get some thrust hacking and then being able to make a decision. Do I go out to the rim and, and hit him with the Dr. J Statue of Liberty dunk or do I throw a lob to the right side of the Zach, lob to the left side over there or hit Zoe, break it to the basket for a dunk? 
So that transition, I see, is really, really is going to be an important part of their games, uh, their game next year. Because you know, when they get out and run, when they did this year early in the season, I mean, they put so much pressure on you defensively, and uh, it, it showed. That's the reason why they were one of the best teams in the league in the beginning of the year. Definitely, definitely. And another young player that I do want to talk about before we move in to the next thing I want to ask you about, Io Desumu. Like what the the fact that we got that type of value to second round pick the the way that he learns the game he's a sponge like the sky do you do you agree the sky's the limit right now for Ayo Desumu like it's hard to put a cap on how good this kid could be because he just looks so good and he takes in so much information every every play of every second of every game but go ahead well he he was a steal of the draft I mean this kid is supposed to be top fifteen you know his resume speaks for itself he was a winner at the high school level one chance championships at the high school level, got to Illinois. They definitely should have went a lot further with him and uh, Cockburn, but it wasn't his fault. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. So, uh, and, and he proved he was a winner. At, uh, uh, the thing about, the thing about uh, Io is he's a Chicago kid. Chicago kids are built differently. You know, they're built differently. Yeah. Uh, their mindset, they got that warrior mindset, you know, and plus he had a chip on his shoulder from going all the way down to in the last year in the second round. So, you know, we got a motivated I.O. And I, even if he win the first round, we'd got the same kind of I.O. Because that's his reality. Um, I, was, I was really – I watched his games in Illinois, and I, I thought, I thought you know, he's a good combo guard. He's strong. He can defend. He's a guy that you can plug in in different places. And so when he got here, you know, it, it wasn't wrong. I, I You know, I thought I, – I found out he was a better ball handler than what I thought. You know, because he got to play a lot of point guard. Because I look at him more in college, more as a combo guard, a guy that could play someone, but be kind of more of a two. And um, when he got here, and I saw him, and uh, you know, I was really, I was really impressed with the way he could, you know, control the tempo of the game. Because uh, you remember, he didn't play early. He didn't play early because we yeah. had a healthy roster. You know, he was getting like crumb minutes, and then um, yeah. some injuries started happening, and then it got to the point where. Probably about nine games into the regular season, Billy Donovan recognized that the kid can play defense. The one thing he can do is play defense, and that's what got him on the floor was his defense. And then once he started showing that I can guard top level guards, I can guard you know pretty much anybody on the floor, he became part of the rotation. And then his game kicked up. Now, uh, I think you know when people were looking at him uh, when they were scouting him, they were thinking he wasn't a good three point shooter. He wasn't going to transfer to the NBA as a shooter. So therefore, that's probably why they put some nicks on his name. But the one thing they want is what kind of heart a kid has. You know, I go sick and tired of people who never played the game that scout these kids, and they've never played themselves. They want to sit there and tell, you know, talk about a kid doesn't do this, doesn't do that. You know, look at his body of work. You know, you know, when you when you're evaluating these kids, you know. You see him one time. You see him one game. You know, you go check out Illinois one game. He has a bad game. Now you think the kid can't play. But you're not looking at the body at work. You know, what What? What are the intangibles? What does he do that makes his win? You know, and he has all that. He has that it factor. And it was evident this year in his rookie year. That's why he made the second team all rookie team. And that's why he was one of the best rookies in the league this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talking about uh, the rookie that we had this past come come year, the Bulls have the 18th pick in the over, 18 overall pick in the draft this year. Are, 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 is there any prospect that you look at and you say, I really would love to see him in a Bulls uniform? Um. Well, I mean, 18 is tough. You know, he's just the beginning of the first round this year. Last year was second round. Yeah. 
Um, eight, 18, when you get to 18, um, you know, it's a value pick. You know, it's the best available player at that time because most of the guys, there's going to be some guys moving up and down the draft boards as some people are going to be falling. You see it every year. You see a guy, you know, like a Michael Porter Jr. who's supposed to be the number one pick, and all of a sudden he gets some, you know, back injury and he slides all the way to 14. You know, and Denver gets a, a number one pick at 14, and we've seen how that's turned out in Denver. He's, he's, he's turned out to be a very good player. Yes, his back is hurt, but, you know, so that's something they said it's not going to be long term. So for the short term, a lot of passed on him because of that back injury. So you're going to see a lot of guys go up and down the, the draft the board. And, um, you know, the Bulls have done really good. I mean, look at AK's record, you know, here in Chicago. You know, he's hit home runs. You know, you know he they do a great job of evaluating guys. There may not even be first round material right now, but they're on their board as first round material and and need player. So when you're looking at that draft pick at 18, you're trying to get the best available player and you know a player that that can actually help you and come in and play right now, not someone that says, "Oh, we're two or three years away," because this team is not. You know, you need players that can step in and play right now because, you know, you got DeMar, I think, two more years. You got Boozer's contracts up this year. So the window, the window is there, but it's not as big as it, it, it was last year, per day. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to remember, too, other teams are going to get better. You know, Atlanta is a team that, you know, uh, was, a, was a four seed last year, the year before, and then, you know, struggled out the gate this year. They're going to be a good team. Uh, you still got. Milwaukee right down the road. So, you know, you're, you're drafting to to beat the Eastern Conference to be able to get to the finals. So you're looking at the Philadelphia's with Embiid. You know, you're looking at Milwaukee. You know, the Miamis. Those are the teams you're looking at when you're drafting and trying to get battle-tested guys can go in there and, and battle. So with your question, though, if I'm looking at some guys, kid, Liddell, uh, Ohio State, eight, six, six, eight kids, yeah. strong, strong body, um, uh, I like him. I like the kid. Uh, I like the kid Williams from Duke. You know, all of a sudden now he just skyrocketed up to. Uh, I wish. Exactly. I wish he would done nothing. I wish he would just stay at home and <laughs> ate some Doritos and not not let anybody see him because because he yeah. was scheduled. He he was supposed to go from that fifteen to twenty some range, and then all of a sudden he had a workout or something and he exploded the chart. So that that's a guy I would have loved to get, uh, but we're not gonna know. But uh, I know AK and them are going to do their due diligence. I ain't worried about it, man. They, whoever they get, I know it's going to be legit. Oh, for sure. Like, a AK and everything. Like, look, just looking at who they've worked out, they've worked out some names that I've looked at and be like, I've never even – I didn't even know that kid was in the draft. But they do their due diligence. They they go deep yeah. and take a look at everyone. They're going to find the best person who's going to fit this team. And that's that's what if, that's how you, as a fan, it makes you feel good to have a front office that you can trust and know, hey, they're, they're going to do their thing. They're going to make it happen. So, uh, and, and, and that's 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 the one thing I try to tell Bulls fans, you know, because you gotta remember, you know, a lot of people we didn't get you know out of the first round, and a lot of people oh disappointed, yada yada yada. Okay, but you gotta remember, you know, this you know this new front office has been here a year, a little bit, a little bit over a year. They they turned their team to forty five. We should have really won. I honestly we won fifty plus, you know. Um, but they've completely definitely. turned the culture around in less than a year. Uh, they've got fan, the fan base at it again. I mean, we tell you how excited our fan base is. We were the number one road attendance team, and we were the number coming from 22, 22 
COVID and coming out this year being the number one road team as far as attendance and and uh, uh, you know that that's an amazing thing right there. Bulls fans all over the world starting to get back, back out, starting to pump our chest out a little bit because now you know when the Bulls are are not relevant, the basketball just doesn't seem the same. You know, what I'm saying there's there's certain teams in this league that that they have to be relevant. You know, Chicago Bulls are one of them. The New York Knicks, the Celtics. The Lakers, I mean, those those four teams, in my opinion, have to be out there playing. They got to be in the playoffs. They got to be right out there forefront because those are the marquee names. They're they're the top. We're the top in sales, you know, as far as merchandise is concerned. Our brand is global, um, and when we're when we're relevant, the world is the world is a beautiful place. Yeah, that's that's. That's a, a hundred percent fact. When the Chicago Bulls are winning, it's just it's just different. Um, yep. Last last thing that I want to get into before I let you go, man, is is, and I know that you you you've detailed the story almost every. I watch almost every interview and podcast that you do on YouTube and everything, and I know you've talked about your transition to broadcasting heavily and how Nick Nick uh, Neil Funk helped that so much, um, and that you even thought about leaving when he left and you decided to stay, and we appreciate you for that. Because I tell you what, Bulls commentary would not be the same without Stacey King on it. Um, but I want to ask you this, man. What was, the, what was the thing that scared you the most, for lack of a better word, transitioning from player to now being a broadcaster? To be honest, that for me, for me, you know, from from high school to college to the professional level, I've always been in front of a camera. I've always been on winning teams, so I've I've got that comfortability of being able to talk in front of people, in front of the camera. So it was kind of an easy transition for me, you know. And then being with you know being in Oklahoma, you know, I had, I was on a top three five team in the country every year. We were always on NBC, CBS, ESPN. I'm constantly in front of cameras. I went to school for journalism and uh, public relations, so I, I kind of understand how that works. Um, I used to write for the school newspaper. Um, I thought I was going to be a journalist as far as like with the newspaper, you know, print. And uh, who knew, you know, 20, 25, 30 years later that the newspaper would be irrelevant now. You know, it's about internet. Everything's about, about podcasts and everything now. So, uh, uh, but I, I think the biggest thing for me is the personality that I've had fun for me um, translate my personality translate when I do bulls. If you meet me in the streets, I'm the same person. It's not an act. You know, I'm, I'm wild and crazy. My podcast, give me the hot sauce podcast. Man, that my personality Absolutely. just comes out, you know? And I think what I tell young, you know, young podcasters or, or, or young kids who want to be in the media, you know, I, I tell them, first of all, you know, know what you're talking about. Number one, you know, know what you're talking about. Have your facts, you know, have your facts, have your details, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed. Uh, second thing is to be informative, but also don't be too informative. Where people, you know, get tuned out, you know, where you're talking too much about one thing. You know, you're beating a dead horse, you know. Um, that's that's another thing. And then have fun, you know, have fun, you know. That's the key. You know, podcast and work is, if I'm a, if I'm a garbage man, you know, you better believe I'm going to have fun doing what I'm doing. Because if I want to do what I'm doing, that means every day I'm getting up to go to work and I want to be at work. If I've got a job where I'm like, oh, woe is me. Oh, I got to go to this job. Oh, it's so boring. I gotta... You're never going to put the maximum effort into, you know, 
to into results that you want to reach if you have that type of attitude. So you got to love what you do. You got to have a passion about it. And uh, if you do those things, man, I mean, you know, everything. And listen, podcast is the way of the future. I mean, it's, it's you know, if you ain't on yeah. podcast right now and getting on this round floor as it's building towards the future, you you sleeping, man. You, you, you know, you're getting called laughing. And so um, it's not easy, as you know. I mean, you got to do a lot of stuff to get it going. Um, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, you know, and you, you got to, it's, it's a slow growth. You know, you got to grow your podcast, you got to get your loyal fan base, people who tune in every week, you got to give them what they want every week and, and, uh, and continue to build on that every week. And if you do those things, man, man, your podcast, your podcast is going to be off the charts. Definitely. And then to your point, like the thing with I think people forget to because it has been around for so long that podcast is still very much in its infancy. People are still figuring out how to monetize, pr like promote and all this on podcast. And and it's still growing at an exponential rate. And so, yeah, I mean, and but but the key I want to go back to what you said earlier, too. First off, whatever you podcast, because you can have a podcast about anything, make sure you're passionate yep. about it. Every I talk about yes. the bulls every single day. And you know why? Because I would be talking about the Bulls every single day if I had a podcast yes. or not. Like that's literally exactly. I live it. So like exactly. if you if you can if you if you are in love with what you're talking about, then every all the work, all the effort, all the energy that has to go into it all the time, if it's a labor of love, you don't even think about it. So, well, it's funny because cooking. You know, if you like reading books, if you like to do, you know, you want to critique a movie every week. You know, you, you could do anything on podcast. You just have an idea. And, and the key to that idea is like a spinning wheel, spinning, you know, a thousand miles a minute. The key now is to get that wheel on the ground. And once that once it hits the ground, you off and running. And so your content, like you said, you know, you have to be passionate about it. You know, um, not going to agree with you. You know, it, it, I mean, listen, I'm like Nipsey Hussle, you know, selling some mixtapes out of my truck when I got my podcast going. I don't have no, no being, I don't got ESPN working i ain't got all these people pushing yeah. my podcast i've done i built on its own off my own off my own name and i got one of the best podcasts in in the country right now not just in chicago but in the country and i don't have the big boys pushing me because i chose i chose a podcast i want to do it my way i don't want nobody telling me what i can say what i can do what guests i can have on you can't say this you can't say that because that's not me real i'm 100 authentic and so but people who are listening to my podcast that's what they get and that's what they want they want to see what they see on tv they want to see you know anytime they've heard me do an interview they want to see that and so that's who i am i'm not fake i'm i'm, I'm 100 real and uh like i said i know how hard it is to get your podcast going so that's why I, like me personally because i always people like where'd you come on my podcast you don't come on the small people podcast like man i'll come on anybody podcast. You just ask me if you ask me i'll come yeah. on so you know got no problem with that and i'm always about helping other people like i i mean like if i get help you boost your boost your your views and hey i'm down with that man because i'm all about helping and i also understand how hard it is to start a podcast plus i also listen to people's podcasts i listen to your podcast i listen to this podcast so i get an idea of like where i can you know okay i see i like you did there you know what i'm saying and and i think you do that on mine you know what I'm saying? Like, we yeah. just got on Twitch. We just got on Twitch recently. And, you know, I didn't know nothing about Twitch. I ain't gonna lie. I, I know it was a gamer a gamer thing, but I didn't about it. But yeah. also, it's another it's another platform to reach people because now my show is now being on Twitch is live. 
compared to tape where we, you know, we tape it, we put it on YouTube, or you get the audio mm -hmm. version, you know, on iTunes or whatever. Now you can actually catch me in studio in a live setting and see us cutting up, laughing, good time, unedited. You know what I'm saying? So it gives yeah. is another platform for people to see you do different things and we just got on that dude and i, I tell you that was a smart move that was a smart move well I, I i love it it's awesome see and the twitch thing is honestly been something that's been a little intimidating to me because i it's not as easy i thought it was going to be like similar to youtube i i created the channel i haven't started really posting it yet because i got in there started moving around i'm like oh this is this is different uh but I'm, yeah yeah it's it but it's amazing like it's so many different avenues and each platform has its own unique thing like you said twitch being live and that's a different type of interaction it's it's amazing yes. to have to have that avenue and have that access to people too we we didn't have access to people back in the day like well, so. well and you think and you, you think too though it's on a podcast like you know you if you're taping it it's hard to have interaction with fans you know you can only answer they can, they can ask you a question on youtube on your youtube YouTube channel you can answer it but on twitch now i can actually interact with the fans when they send in questions yeah. and they're you know they're typing in the questions they think about you know the rudy gobert you know trade rumors and i can actually answer it on air and answer it live which makes more like talk radio now you know what i'm saying so it yeah. takes you to a different level it takes your podcast to a different level and i and i would tell people you know don't be afraid to take chances man you know what hey at the end of the day you know you got all before you walk you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a lot of times people are afraid to do different. They're afraid to put themselves out there. And I always tell this, you know, the, 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 the difference between successful and unsuccessful people is a fine line. It's not, it's not as big as everybody thinks. Like, oh, it's a really small percentage. The difference is the person who's successful is not afraid to fail multiple times. Mm. If they fail 10 times, they don't, don't care. They're going to go on and do The unsuccessful person is the person that's afraid to try. Because they're afraid of failure. they're afraid of listening to what other people say about them when they do fail. Uh, you know, they're concerned about the wrong things. So therefore, they won't even try because it's like they they know they're good enough to do it. They know they probably can do it, but the but the the thought of failure is too overwhelming to them. So therefore, they will not even try. You know, some of them by not trying will be hating. Will 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 be hating on the other person who did try. Who did you know try. What I'm and not all, not everybody. Yeah. Who's, some people who are won't try, but will hate on that other person because they're doing something. So you know, uh, I always tell people, man, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Be afraid to do, get out of your comfort zone and feel uncomfortable because you know being uncomfortable ain't nothing bad. You know, you might find out you're better than what you thought. That's a fact. That's a fact. And that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Growth comes from being uncomfortable. That's why it's called growing pain. Sometimes you got to force yourself to make it through those uncomfortable periods. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, last exactly. thing before I get you, before I get you out of here, Stacy, you know, I got to ask you about the nicknames, man. And this is the thing I'm going to ask <laughs> you this. Has there ever been a player that comes up to you and is like, hey, man, where's my nickname, Stacy? When I'm going to get my nickname? <laughs> Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was the, was one of the first ones that did that. Um, you know, a lot of the nicknames mm -hmm. organically. You know, you know, you got to you got to you got to hope to get a nickname, bro. You just I just can't get yeah. a nickname. You know, and uh, so Jim, yeah. remember Jimmy's rookie year. Jimmy was probably playing eight minutes a game. He wasn't getting no minutes at all. Matter of fact, like you talk about garbage time, he was like double garbage time. He was playing at all. Like the last three minutes of the game, the end of the quarter, they checking him in for somebody to do all dang or whatever. So he came up to me. And that was the heyday. That was the Derrick Rose, you know, too big, strong, you know, Lou all dangerous. All those names were coming up. And so Jimmy came up to me on the plane. He was like, he's like, yo, Stace, like, when can I get a nickname? 
And why haven't I got a nickname yet? I said, well, damn, Jimmy, you only playing like eight minutes a game. Bro, you got to get out on the floor. <laughs> and, he, and he said, man, I can't get a nickname. I said, okay, here's what I'll do for you. I said, next time you get in the game, get a nickname. So it was, a, it was in uh, UC. He got in the game. We were blowing by the out. He got in with like 15 minutes. He scored like six six points in a row, you know, three buckets in a row, bam, bam, bam. You know, so I started calling him Jimmy G. Bus. You know, the G stands for gets. And so it took off, and he loved it, and he loved it. You know, and that's kind of – that's how it started. And Jimmy now, that's part of Jimmy's, um, you know, brand, you know, Jimmy brand. G. Buckets. Yeah. He, got a, he got a brand with that. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a fun thing, you know. And you know what I, what I try to do, too, is that, you know, I've kind of got away from the nicknames, though, because it's kind of like, like the dunk contest. You know, when you win the dunk contest in a row, now when you come – Come back that third year, they expect you to hang from the rafters, you know, do do all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff and, and outdo what you did. And when you don't do it, then it's like, oh, oh I thought that would, would yeah. be better. Oh, that's not a 50. That's that's more of a 45, you know, kind of thing. So, so I've kind of gotten away from the nicknames because I don't think it takes away from the analyst part of the game because you get known just for being the quick wit and all stuff. You know, I don't want to mm-hmm. be just known as that, you know. I'm not tooting my own horn, you know, but I, I, I would put myself out there, you know, as NBA analysts are concerned. I, there's not too many guys better than me. I, I, I'm not going to lie. That's a fact. I, I mean, I'm in, that the, is I, a fact, I'm in the top. That, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the top five. But if you, if you, if you name top five NBA analysts, my name got to be in there. I don't care where it's at, but it's got to be in there somewhere on five. And I'm not, you know, slighting anybody else. I got mad respect for everybody who does this, but I, I got so much confidence in my myself you know if you put me you put me head to head in a game and they say we're gonna go head to head it's like rapping you know what i'm saying like you had them battles you know i'm i'm gonna slice you yeah. up so you know so I, and i, I don't want to sound i don't want to sound you know arrogant or anything like that i'm a very confident person but i, I put my in the top five I, I, and you should because there are several times where the bulls are nationally televised in the moment i'm like oh stacy and adam aren't on the <laughs> I, don't, I don't even listen to the commentary. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like that in in my in my in my YouTube channel, like we I do a live stream after every Chicago Bulls game, and people will say like, "Hey man, listen, I miss Stacy today. It sucks that Stacy with Stacy and Adam weren't on the, uh, the call." So yeah, you got to toot that on horn. You deserve that, brother. Give me let me give you your flowers while we on live, and I got the chance to because I appreciate yeah, that. You are absolutely appreciate one of that. the best in the, best in the game. Absolutely one appreciate of the best that. in the game. Well, it means a lot. Thank that's you very much. Thank, thank you, man. And thank you for joining today, Stacey. I appreciate you giving me your time, man. I'm not going to take any much, uh, any more of it. Is there anything you, you want to plug? Tell them where they can, they can check out. They they should already be listening to Give Me the Hot Sauce if they listen to me. I don't know how they oh, yeah, you're, you're, listen yeah. to Give Me the Hot Sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to be you already, yeah, you gotta be going to Give Me the Hot Sauce uh, podcast. And then if you if you really want your own hot sauce, you know, you need to go go to hotsauce.com. And you can grab you some bottles of mine. I got four different flavors. This is my favorite. I'm getting ready to have me a quesadilla for lunch after this interview. <laughs> so this will be the hot sauce. St. Pat's Verde here. We got four dishes. We got barbecue sauce. We got a super uh, 1871 uh, Chicago fire, which is burned. And then we got the original uh, hot hot sauce with garlic on it, which is really nice. So, and anybody, you know, like I said, just, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, you know, uh, everything Stacey King, you'll be able to find me. And uh, I, I appreciate all the listeners who are listening. This is keep listening to this show. Bull Central, it's a great show to listen to. I endorse it. I endorse it. I don't come on nobody's show unless 
Dorsey. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. Y'all make sure y'all follow Stacey King. Thank you for tuning in. Y'all already know where to follow us. BullCentralPod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us at just uh, BullCentralPod on every social media platform. But that is it. That was the legend, Stacey King. We out, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media.